0: is not third, for fifth, or sixth. and if you no longer go for a gap that exists you no longer racing driver we are competing to win for a victory. all right welcome to clicking balls episode 25 we're doing formula one spanish grand prix it was last night so i'm brenton and this is josh The Spanish Grand Prix is the first return to um, Europe for the F1 calendar. And with that, you'll find a lot of teams will bring uh, development upgrades for this race and it will really set the tone for the rest of the season in regards to who's going to win the development race. Um, Most of the team's factories are located in Europe, so it's a lot easier to uh, develop parts and fly them out in a timely fashion. So we'll talk about some development aspects, especially in Ferrari and Red Bull have got a couple little developments as well.
1: Well, yeah, it's not as though you can just sort of package it up in a wooden box and post it over to where you need it to get to. Yeah, exactly. Uh, If you're talking about a $100,000 one-off nose cone or something, they tend to not uh, trust that to the postal service.
0: And if you've seen the the process of um, laying composites, especially carbon fiber, it's very sort of monotonous and time-consuming and very finicky. So it just makes a lot more sense to hold off until they know exactly what's going to work and it's closer to Europe. And that way, if they have parts that break or uh, um, other teams have developments which seem to have a big effect, they can copy those and fly them to the racetrack, generally usually within um, 24 hours. So you'll see after practices, um, cars might look different when they actually line up on the grid.
1: Yeah, the funny thing is oftentimes they only have time to make one part. Yeah. So uh, they get to pick a favorite driver. In In Barcelona, it was Vettel. Yep. Uh, he got the upgraded uh, nose and side pods, I believe, whereas Raikkonen didn't. He did. And um, the official line was that Raikkonen
0: said that he didn't want those parts. <laughs> but um, I don't see how they could say that they're going to work and Raikkonen doesn't want them, especially when they've been saying this car was built to suit Raikkonen's driving style. So,
1: Yeah, I, I think uh, poor Raikkonen's getting hung up to dry a bit there. But uh, having said, we'll talk about the race. Um, obviously, the start was interesting with Hamilton bogging down a bit, and uh, Toro Rosso going backwards at a great rate of knots. Um, I I think Toro Rosso set up for a good quality, but their race pace was terrible.
0: It was, I mean, it's about what you expect from the um, Barcelona circuit. It's not a very exciting Formula 1 track. It makes makes a pretty good uh, MotoGP track, but for Formula 1, the straights aren't quite long enough, and curves are a bit too, sort of gradual. You need sharp right angles um, preceded by long straights in order to facilitate lots of overtaking.
1: One thing they have done, though, is put uh, those hard curbs on. Yeah. You used to see a lot of people coming into, I think it's turn five, where they just pretty much cut all the way across the curb. But now with that harder curb, you do that and you're going to end up just going into the wall.
0: Yeah. And we've seen people um, break parts on their cars, especially front wings these days, where uh, technically, they're not. Technically, they're not supposed to flex, but they do. And if you hit the curves with those, um, that flex turns into a break.
1: Yeah. Speaking of breaks, you see uh, uh, Lotus is uh, having their old troubles.
0: Uh, what? Pasta. Pasta and
1: Grosjean. <laughs> um, I think in this case it was uh, Pasta running into Grosjean. What was the other And one also one? with uh, they came together, and uh, the uh, end plate on the rear wing yep. bent right up. And uh, I don't think he got black flagged for it, No, black and orange flagged, but uh, they ended up bringing him in, and rather than replace the rear wing, they just broke that bit off Yeah, (laughs) snapped it off and said, go on, son, get back out there. Yeah, I think it was actually
0: a wheel-to-wheel contact with Grosjean. Um, I think it might have actually been Grosjean's fault this one. Apparently, that transference of energy through the tyre into the pillar support weakened it, and you actually see, I'm pretty sure he ran over a curb. And that's what actually loosened that part up. And then he heads into the pits. And they're thinking about uh, bringing him in. And they thought, oh, will give it a go. We'll see how it goes. And send him out there with the wing on one pillar. It didn't last too long. I think they ended up pulling him in and retiring him just because it's pretty mad for the best person out there to have a car like that, let alone pasta.
1: Yeah, he's not known for his ability to keep all four wheels on the track anyway. And I don't think he's finished a race yet, has he? Um, I'm not sure. not sure. I don't think not he's finished a race this season. Um... Just check on his points. So, well, it could be irrelevant too with Lotus. Wow, yeah, Grosjean's got sixteen though, um, which is, you know, ahead of some decent drivers. That's true. Maldonado nah. with Zip. Um, the only other people on Zip are McLaren and Marussia. And he's coming last, so he's has done the least number of laps. And yeah. considering Marussia have barely finished races, um, I in fact I think if. Maldonado retired after 20 laps, he'd still be ahead of Marussia.
0: Yeah. But um,
1: I'll tell you what, the big disappointment in that one, though, has to be McLaren. Yeah. Um, For such a proud racing team with two world championship drivers and uh, Honda who aren't known for uh, accepting mediocrity, that is going to sting so much.
0: And especially Fernando having to look at Ferrari have oh. a sort of renaissance over there in, in Italy. So he's sitting there watching Ferrari go on the up and up, and he's stuck in a McLaren that Jensen described as the scariest car he's ever driven. Mm. And there's not too much hope uh, for this season. He, Jensen said that he's written off points this season, and he said that the McLaren down the straights was flat-out scary. He said every time he touched the accelerator, the amount of torque that was lured to the wheels would cause the arsen end to want to come around to the front.
1: Yeah, I remember him saying that. And you've got to think that's something that would come up in testing. We'll cover in practice. Yeah. But, um, and they can play with the differential settings too, like even in a cockpit. So yeah. I don't know whether they've got an issue with uh, the differential or whether there's just some weird ass problem in terms of the uh, the rev range. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's revering, revving to the max uh, much quicker. I don't know. But it, it just seems basic.
0: And one thing it could be actually, because the way I was looking at some. Um, people on the website's called f1technical.net. Um, we're not affiliated with them at all, but it's a very uh, rich information-based um, website for F1 enthusiasts And when you want to get to the technical regulations. And it was postulated on there that you only have a one-stage turbo, but they're saying that the wheel of the Honda Turbo is a bit longer and they've got axial um what do you call it? Axial fins on there. So instead of having oh, your standard blades, fins. yeah, yeah, they've got uh, a length of fins that are different sizes so that you have uh, a different power delivery through the actual spool range of the turbo. So that it could be sense. just... It'll
1: in- work kind of like a twin scroll turbo. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: But they're trying to make it legal for, for F1 which mandates there has to be a single stage, single wheel turbo. And these are just loopholes that people look for. But it could be problems with trying to get that work effectively, especially with the the amount of torque these cars have and with the speculation that they want to get up to a thousand horsepower in the next couple of years that's something you want to have sorted out
1: yeah i think a thousand horsepower is eminently doable they could they could do that over a week if they wanted to yeah exactly um just because these cars are held back in terms of what revs they can do what displacement they can have yeah and what size turbo to get to a thousand you just put on a bigger turbo like, yeah it's really not hard just to keep that nice torque curve will be a bit trickier but uh, if, if you're allowed to harvest a bit more of the energy and they're adding bigger electrical motors all the time...
0: Yeah, and they're also looking at different areas they can harvest energy from as well.
1: Mm. Like They've also got, always got the heat exchangers from the turbos and the manifold yep. uh, and the exhaust, and they've also got the, obviously, brake recovery. Um, and there's no reason why they couldn't have just air ram, uh, have a turbine that's operated by air pressure coming in from the, from the front. Yep. Um, you could pretty much have it... at a car that could do laps on just milliliters of petrol.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's just a matter of how to facilitate exciting racing, which I think they've sort of realized now, right, we've set the technical regulations in a way that's going to sort of encourage other developers to come into the fold, but you need exciting racing. So they're looking at making the cars a little bit a little bit more, give the drivers a bit more to be able to play with um, in regards to power and you know, having the skill of the driver and the bowls of the driver actually mean something.
1: Yeah, have, having things go wrong at a moment's notice is good racing. Yeah. Not great for the drivers, but it's good racing. Um, and one thing we were talking about uh, earlier off-air was that uh, one thing that's been floated is to open up the tyres. So rather than have Pirelli come with two compounds each week, yeah, plus the wets, um, they just come with five and tell the teams, you know... Which ones do you want, kind of? Yeah. So I think that's brilliant because then you could have guys go, well, we're going to use the super softs uh, for Quali and our first stint, and then we're going to switch to some hards. We'll have a one-stop strategy. Other guy's are going to go, well, we'll go to the softs uh, for quality, We'll qualify, you know, probably low, better than tenth, but yeah. n- not in the top five. And then we're going to go to the mediums and just have a nice, solid pace all day. And yeah. then some of the guys are going to go, fuck it, super softs every time. We'll do a five-stop, I don't care.
0: Exactly. And what I think uh, makes it most in- interesting for is when, let's say you start off with a dry race and a little bit of rain comes, you might switch to intermediates, and then a dry line appears, and that's when you'll see it open up. Like um, Potentially, you could use three different compounds of tyres if they open up to not just choosing two. If they say, oh, yeah, use like, you whatever tyres you want.
1: I reckon let them go. Every team has four sets of every type of tyre. Yeah. And you just go nuts. So that means that if you actually running longer on a good decent compound or you see a, a nice little gap open up you might switch to the super softs yeah. And yeah they only last 10 laps yeah
0: and just put pump out some qualifying laps mm. and, and see if you can perform an undercut or just overtake on track
1: or you know if there's a safety car with 10 laps to go
0: you'll get <laughs> yeah. in there put
1: some soft boots on
0: exactly and especially if you're still refueling you just have mad splash and dashes towards the end just anyone especially when you look around you know Probably eighth down to sometimes thirteenth. You have got that mad rush for the last point. Mm, yeah. Teams willing to try anything, especially when those points can add up to a lot of money at the end of the season.
1: I think everyone loves that. Uh, we haven't seen any safety cars this uh, this year so far. Fact, no,
0: have we seen any? I think we've had a virtual safety car once. Yeah, we did. I'm not sure if it was in a race though.
1: No, no, I'm, I'm sure we did have one in Malaysia. I want to say. Yeah. Um, but the reliability of the cars have been pretty good. I think uh, every car bar pal- Pasta finished at Barcelona, yep. which, um, you know, it's a, uh, no, no, and Fernando. Fernando didn't finish, yeah. yeah he didn't finish. But um, it's been a very reliable season, which means that teams are not really trying to push the envelope a lot. Yeah. Except for Renault, who seemed to be pushing the envelope as to how shitty an engine they can make. <laughs> like, uh, I think uh, all the Mercedes teams are still in their first engine, and uh, Ricardo's on his last. Yeah. So... I, they're going to get penalties. But I think if you're Renault, uh, and I think Christian Horner came out with a comment saying the same thing, use 20 engines this year if you need to. Yeah, exactly. Just get it fucking right. Yep. Because you'd rather you'd rather be starting tenth. Yeah. With an engine that might be good enough to pass someone than yep. starting fifth and just know you're going to get eaten up on the straights.
0: Yeah, and I mean, that's a it's a big call from Christian Horner as well because that's pretty much Red Bull saying. We're wasting a hundred, $100 million budget this year on our chassis just so you can improve your engine. That's what we're prepared to do. Mm. And with costs being a big factor in F1 these days, it's not a conclusion they really would have wanted to come to.
1: In fairness, what's the choice they have, though? I mean, the, yeah. the engine is a dog. Yeah, exactly. It's slow and unreliable. You can handle it being one or the other, yeah. but when it's both, it's shit.
0: Yeah, and speaking of Fernando Alonso, his retirement was due to a uh, rear brake failure, they say. And if you watch the race, you see him tear into the pits and take out, the, almost take out the front jackman.
1: Yeah. Um, did you see why, though? Why yeah. The river, he, uh, his tear-off got caught in the brake duct. it uh, yeah. overheated it. Yeah,
0: and that, that's what they're saying. And when you look at... They usually do the tear-offs down pit straight. Some will do it on the track, but generally it's not generally a done thing because it gets caught in, in um, aero parts and also in cooling parts. But... um. Usually, they're pretty good with that. You'll see him stick the hand right up and try and get it over the top so it doesn't go um, into the side pods. But, well, you
1: never know. It may not have
0: been his. Well, I don't reckon it was his. And, I mean, how would you know? <laughs> because they said that they only noticed it when they took the tire off and that fell off. And it would have been an incidental thing um, during the pit stop. They wouldn't have really traced that back until afterwards when he said the brake fouling gone, all right, mm. that's, that's what it was. That's what happened. Um, and, of course, Jensen, <laughs> they told him, yeah, uh, Jensen, you're out there. Uh, Fernando's problem doesn't affect you. <laughs> Like, yes, that's pretty comfortable in the car he's already terrified of.
1: Yeah. I think it was really disappointing for Saints Jr. and Kvyat to see them go backwards so quickly after the start. Yeah. Uh, from, from a great qualifying perspective. They did. Um, they drove the absolute wheels off the, their cars. and uh, Not Kvyat, sorry, Verstappen. Um, I think Verstappen is just such an exciting driver. Yeah, uh, he is. He, he's just turned 18, I believe.
0: I think so, yeah. Yeah, he was 17 when he got his super licence. So. Yeah, and...
1: I, he is the most mature eighteen-year-old I've ever met. Because you had to put me at eighteen in an F one yeah. car. Shit, you put me at eighteen in any car that's got well any power at all. Yeah. Um, I may I may not have lived uh, long enough to be reporting from here, but um, <laughs> it, his ability to realise when he can push, when he can uh, hold back, when he's got the pass sorted, and when he should back out. Yeah, it's it's spectacular. Um, he gets a good car under him, he is going to be very dangerous. I'd, I'd be stunned if uh, Red Bull weren't looking at pumping him up, which unfortunately means Kvyat might uh, be a victim, which I think would be a terrible thing because I think he's done a fantastic job.
0: I think even if Kvyat got kicked out, I reckon with Russia having a spot on the grid now and uh, some Russian backers invested in Formula 1, he'll probably find another seat. But it was interesting watching some of the wheel-to-wheel racing between the Toro Rosso's and with Kvyat at the end. Um, you would have seen on the last lap uh, was Carlos Sainz, I think, racing with Kvyat for ninth place yeah. or somewhere around there for extra points anyway. And they came together. Um, Sainz went off the track, uh, ended up coming out in front. Yes, he did. Finished the race. Um, they got no penalty for it. The reason was they said that when um, Kvyat, uh, Kvyat was going around, he didn't uh, push him off the track more or less so that... Science didn't have anywhere to go, but when Science came back on the track, he did slow down so that he could see where the other cars were, which is mandatory when re-entering the track. And Kvyat actually slowed down when um, Science was re-entering. And the deal was, the deal is generally that if you give that person enough room and you free to race the next corner in a fair battle, then it's okay. But it also comes down to what the teams really want out of it and how aggressively they push it. But
1: yeah, I think if you had have seen, say, Ferrari and um- Mercedes come together there. Yeah. Each team would have been up in arms. But yeah. um, because it's Red Bull and Toro or so, it's kind of like, uh, where's the real advantage?
0: And they are two young drivers. And yeah. Christian Horner was spot on when he came out and he said, look, there's two young drivers. They're, you know, looking to, to prove their worth in Formula One. They're racing hard. It was fair. It was on the limit. But there's two drivers that are hungry to get an extra point, what it turned out to be. So for a developer program or feeder feeder team, that's what you want to see from those guys.
1: Yeah, it'd be different if you put him in the wall. Um, yeah. In that case, you'd be like, well, oh, mate, you've cost us a couple of hundred thousand yeah. bucks here. Um, not really a done thing. But uh, I, I think the move itself was a little sloppy, but he's hungry and that's fine. Well,
0: you've got two corners to go. What are you yeah. going
1: to do? Uh, and I think if you were, you know, Dietrich Mateschitz, you'd, you'd much prefer someone pushing it beyond the limit than just accepting a lesser spot. Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, speaking of put into a wall, you see Martin Brundle in the Force India before yeah. the, the thing. <laughs> oh, they he was loving life. Gave him a go at their uh their new machine and puts it into the wall. Not hard, just damage on the front wing, but they were saying it's probably about thirty K worth of damage.
1: Yeah, it comes out of his pocket.
0: <laughs> to a team that was owned by Tony Fernandez who's was it Tony Fernandez or V J Malia? V J yeah. Fernandez on Caterham cater him. So mm. V not doing too good on the cash stakes either, I think.
1: No V doing terrible. He has money everywhere. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that probably wasn't even his front wing. Yeah, true. The scratch revealed was actually uh, <laughs> Yeah,
0: So, moving up um, with the Williams. Williams were not really there for the Mercedes teams. They were good enough for... Um, <clears throat> Massa finished in sixth and Bottas fourth, but that's the more or less the worst of the best Mercedes. So,
1: Well, looking towards next season, do you stick with Massa or do you go... Bottas is killing him yeah. and look at another driver that'll push Bottas because Massa hasn't really pushed him much I think he had that one race he finished ahead of him apart from that Bottas and Vettel have been the ones who are keeping Mercedes honest Um, Raikkonen and Massa they're just making up the numbers in those teams
0: yeah Um, to be honest I think they might struggle to hold on to Bottas he's a very talented driver and there'll be lots of interest in him so they might keep Massa for developmental side of things because that's one thing that they have to excel in is being smart and prudent in their development and where they spend their money. And someone like Massa, who's got lots of skill in developing cars, been around for ages, uh, his worth could be still still there for a couple of years. And I think it will depend on what happens with Bottas because developing a car is great, but Bottas is faster and that's got to count for something.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, and he's a lot faster too. Yeah. It's not just like he's uh, had a couple of lucky races. He's consistently up there with Vettel.
0: Yeah. So I think it will come down to what, what Bodass's movements will be. Um, and onto the pretty much the only exciting thing of this race was the duel between Sebastian and Lewis. However, it probably ripped us off of a duel between Lewis and, and Rosberg towards the end. Yeah. Um, for those who can see it, uh, Lewis had a bog down at the start, and that's when Vettel got him. And when they come up to the first pit stops, Lewis was going close behind Vettel, but just couldn't get the car to work behind Vettel, which isn't uncommon. Uh, sliding too much and burning up tyres. And with a short DRS straight, it was really hard to overtake. So the main main one they had would have been in the first pit stop. Um, yeah, they tried the undercut. They tried the undercut. Lewis' uh, rear left wheel jammed, I believe, and took him a couple of goes to get it on. Uh, as soon as Sebastian, Sebastian saw that, said, Come in, bring me in, we can come out in front. Yeah. And so Lewis was stuck behind Sebastian for another stint, which came came to back to kicking him in the ass when he did get past Patel on the last pit stop and didn't have enough laps left to chase down Nico. But
1: I remember the um, the team radio on that one. Yeah, when Hamilton's talking about, it and he's like, you know, I'm I'm good, I've got open air. I'm ready to go now. Yeah, and they're like, it's not really possible to catch Rosberg. Yeah. And he's like, are you telling me it's not possible or it's impossible? Yeah. And he's like, it's impossible. And he raced anyway. Yeah. But um, it's just funny that he could be, I think he was 20 seconds behind at that point. Rossman yeah, pretty really much had a bit. pit stop. But uh, he was still willing to push it. He was thinking, well, you know, I'm on fresh tyres. Yeah. Uh, he makes a mistake. I'm going to be all over him. So fuck it. I'm going to I'm going to keep going. Which I'm not a massive fan of Hamilton, but he he is tenacious. I'll absolutely give him that.
0: Yeah. But to be fair, before that, he was trying to tell him that it's going to be impossible to pass and get up there. So he's trying to have had a bet each way there. So yeah, I think it was Lewis just having a bitch. To be honest, yeah, he did. I wouldn't say give him was, too much credit for being hungry. just wanted to disagree with his team, and
1: he did say it was impossible to pass Vettel on track. Yeah. which um, look, I don't think that was the case because we saw yeah. um, we saw Bottas get past Raikkonen. Yeah, so look, uh, I don't know whether it's uh, the McL- uh, the Mercedes Arrow yeah. that has a real issue with dirty air because they haven't seen a lot of it this year. Yeah, um, but for whatever reason, he just was. Unable, and he was right up on the gearbox several times, Yeah, uh, cooked the pass a couple of times.
0: Yeah, and the thing is that what I didn't like about that was that he's saying it's impossible to pass, so the team has to come up with a different solution. What can the team do? Your job is to race that car, get in front of the person in front of you. The, the team can't make Sebastian stop again, they can't make him use these tyres, or they can't really affect Sebastian's race. They've given you the best shot, a mistake happened, and... At the end of the day, you're behind the wheel. You're going to get past the person in front of you. That's what you've got to do. You can't complain a bitch because you've got a job ahead of you, which is to pass someone.
1: And part of it is the Barcelona circuit too. There's really only that one passing spot. Yeah. One clean one anyway. uh, With the late braking coming off the DRS. But uh, look, you know, it's not the most exciting racetrack, but that's where getting a good start matters and that's where Hamilton fucked it. Yeah. Had Uh, he got a good start, he could have been battling. But as it was, he fucked up. The pit crew fucked up with that uh, rear left. And it cost him a chance to battle for uh, six on the trot.
0: Yeah, and so the end result was Nico winning, led from lights to flag. Wasn't particularly interesting, but the thing is, I think they're staying in Barcelona for a week and they're going to do a first in-season test. So this will be interesting, especially for Honda, who need this bad... They had a, a few upgrades and they've got a few things in the works that they're going to try at this test and also Red Bull. This would be a big test for them yeah. as well. They've had uh, a few different parts that have come in. So
1: I did say oddly Marussia aren't going to participate.
0: No, well, probably they're not looking at really updates at the moment and from a financial standpoint probably wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. I don't think they've actually brought any upgrades this season so with none in the works either.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know what they're getting out of it to be honest. I think they're just trying to uh, have a... a neutral cash flow for this season yeah because the car's bare they've got no sponsorship yeah um so they're hoping to get the the prize money for just being part of the team yeah um
0: I think they're looking at increasing their resale value to appease their creditors that are still mm. owed a fuck ton of cash
1: yeah but uh you know with people able to enter next year because there's going to be extra spots because normally uh, Haas is coming in yep um I think they're even allowing a 24-car grid if yep. there's another team that uh, can show that they're actually yeah. going to be able to compete. So I don't think people are going to pay a lot to Marussia. No. Because um, back uh, when Toyota ju- jumped out, yeah, there was a lot of money on the table for Toyota. Hmm. Um, not as much as Toyota wanted, but uh, there was still quite a bit of cash. But uh, I, I think people missed the boat there. They should have bought it. Yep. yep. But for whatever reason... Um, they had a decent car. Yeah. Marusha don't. And, and there's, there's nothing about Marusha that you'd think is going to shortcut things. Because if you bought Marusha, you'd have to replace everything anyway. Yeah. It's, it's shit.
0: All you're buying is an F1 entry. That's all you're buying. Yeah,
1: and you can get one cheaper elsewhere. So... Yeah. They, they need to score a point at least. Yeah. Otherwise, and there's just nothing. I, I just can't see it happening. It's, it's not going to happen. And... um
0: I mean, there were spectators at two races, weren't they? All had one car for Malaysia, but both sat there and watched for Australia. And sitting out testing doesn't show a whole lot of forward forward movement no. for them. So,
1: you know, I'd, I'd rather they cheat, to be honest. <laughs> just <laughs> they could be, for you know, just put a couple of rockets up the exhaust um, when they're on the straight. Fire those bitches off, get the lap record, and then just you know get disqualified afterwards. But at yeah. least, at least you're doing something. Fuck. But uh, yeah, it's. It's not a good look when your cars are getting lapped after the fifth lap. Yeah. And it's, it's fucking terrible. But, um, yeah, so as we get into Barcelona, we'll get a bit more information and see what comes out of that. You never really know what's going to happen in testing just yeah. because you know teams are doing... Um, they're really focusing on very narrow tweaks. So they might be focusing on aero, which means they'll, they'll get their cornering speed yeah. as their benchmark rather than lap time. And we can guarantee
0: that will be the, the focus for Monaco being a tight, windy track that doesn't really have many straights, and when they do, they're full of bumps.
1: It's a, always a very exciting um, thing after the Barcelona Grand Prix, mainly because it means Monaco's next. And anyone that knows anything about Formula One knows that Monaco, apart from their home races, it's the one that drivers want to win. Um, it, it's the oldest circuit; it's been around since World War One. It's one of the richest races, and it's just a—it's unparalleled in terms of the um, esteem that winning Monaco is held by people. And it's famous for being such a tight street track that if you go off the racing line too heavily, it'll punish you. Um, but if you don't take the occasional risk, you end up in a procession and sit behind the guy in front of you. So. It's funny that uh, Monaco, you don't really see a lot of passing, but uh, the best part about it in the past, that it will punish you if you decide you want to go uh, push a little bit too far. Yeah, exactly. With the extra runoff areas these days, it's not as bad as it used to be. But even so, coming into, especially the, the hairpin, yep. you take that a little wrong and you're going to block the track and you're going to get speared, yeah. uh, as we saw with Maldonado. Exactly. And speaking
0: of development, one of the big changes and a highly anticipated change for this whole season has been McLaren's livery. Uh, plenty of talk online. Everyone, of course, wants them to go back to the old Marlboro days with red and white. They didn't go to that. Instead, uh, I think I described online as looking like a red Gillette Mach 3 Razor. Uh, they've gone black or graphite grey, they're calling it, with their McLaren orange or red, whatever they decided it is this week, uh, highlights. And one thing they did do during their practices is that they've actually got a bright red fluvis that they've used to, t- to test aero parts. It looks mm. fucking awesome.
1: I think the FlowVis actually looks alright. They I should think have just uh, made that permanent.
0: Yeah, that's what I reckon. Leave that permanent. And if you remember pre season testing when Red Bull had their camo car, mm. um, it made it really hard to uh, see what parts they had on the car. Of course, you can always get high def photos and get around it, but it looked kind of cool. And I think that effect on McLaren's car, I kind of like it. It is a bit Night Rider. Yeah. Um. oh say, sorry, all these photos we'll put up on our website with uh, proper references to whoever actually took them in that. So this one will be figure one.
1: It is kind of sad they didn't go with the red and white, though.
0: And That's the one, one thing I was thinking about. I'd love to see, like, uh, a historical round where each car bangs on an old-school livery or something
1: like that. It's a way to get the fans involved, to have a bit of excitement, something different. Well, Williams and Lotus have already done it. Uh, Williams had gone back this year, and Lotus went yeah, back to the true. black and gold when they were fighting with Caterham for the right to be Lotus. Yeah, that's right. But, uh, look, I think it's fine. Yeah. I, I think um, the teams that can draw on that heritage yeah. would be mad not to.
0: And just think of the one-off merchandise they'd be able to flog off for, for that race. And the teams struggling about talking about budget and all that, one thing that F1 really fails in is internet sales and internet marketing mm. and merchandise. The merchandise sucks. Like, none yeah. of the T-shirts look good. I mean, the hats, I guess it's a hat, but it's mm. something where you're like, wow, I really like that. That's really cool. Like, you remember when... Um, Felix Baumgartner did that space dive.
1: Yeah, I've got his backpack. That's what I was going to say. Uh, like, it's like the uh, Parachutey War. Yeah,
0: and, the, and there's Red Bull backpack, and those backpacks are awesome. Like, mm. As soon as you saw it, they'd be like, I want that.
1: That's freaking sweet. You do get weird looks when you wear it on the plane, though.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, people are rather concerned.
0: But the thing is, that's, that's Red Bull, and they should be applying that same sort of you know, coolness to their F1 merchandise. Well, Red
1: Bull do, in a way. Uh, a lot of their thing, their um, Wings Foundation, they auction off old F1 parts.
0: Oh, this is true, yeah.
1: As things like, uh, you get the uh, exhaust pipe lighting, the um, engine block coffee table, which, I fucking want one of those so bad, but uh, one wifey would be less than impressed and two, I think they're about 10 grand. One wifey?
0: How many wifeys you got? Just one. So one wifey would be unimpressed, the other one, yeah, she'd be alright. Yeah, she's fine. Uh, Talking about Red Bull, this was the introduction of their short nose, the Mercedes style nose that they've been talking about bringing for ages. Um, uh, we've heard online that internally they've had 60 different tests on it for the um, passing the FIA crash crash test. It had, took them four goes to, to try it and they finally got it and you'll see in figure two uh, what it looks like. You can see that the tip's very, very short. got um, a lot more space for the air to come underneath the nose as well, which improves for their conditioning around, around the side pods and ultimately gives them a little bit better... Uh, on the rear end but it's irrelevant when the Renault engine is just so much down on power
1: yeah I mean you can corner as well as you like if you can't get out of the corner it, it's not really going to matter yeah that's exactly right it's, uh, it, it's very very disappointing for Red Bull to have such a, a bad power unit and I, I honestly don't know whether it's uh, the unit itself or the way it integrates with the uh, electrical unit you can't really tell it. It's. I think it's everything to be honest You know, you don't don't know unless you're part of the team and you've got the engine on an engine dyno with the extra power uh, output as necessary.
0: And the word is that they've been saying, Renault, they know what the problem is, it just takes time to build the parts to solve them. However, there's been a while since they've been using that excuse and this is the first time back in Europe and with them only being in France, you'd think it'd be a pretty simple job to shoot those parts across if those parts existed. And they're still holding on to all their tokens, so... It's fair to say that Renault's in a bit of a shambles at the moment, and solving these problems has proved a lot harder than anticipated.
1: Again, I'd say let them cheat. Finishing seventh is great if you're from Marussia. It's shithouse if you're from Red Bull.
0: Exactly. And um, the next photo on our website will be figure three, where you'll see top-down view of the Red Bull with its new nose. Then you can really see how shorter it is. and gives you a good sense of their philosophy with um, arrow, with their front wing, conditioning the air to... Be able to deal with the turbulence created by the front wheels.
1: It isn't that much shorter really, but the angle it creates from the uh axle line forward is much more dramatic than it has been in the past.
0: Yeah, and the hardest thing with these um wings this year is that the total width of them is shorter so that the end the end plates will be roughly around the middle of the wheel. It doesn't look so in that picture. But, um, <clears throat> you can see where the total sign is if you had a proper view from the top they they're regulated to have to be within that range, which makes it really hard to condition the air to go over or around the front wheels, which is the intention. but there's been lots of clever designs with uh front wing philosophy, and it seems that Mercedes were leading the way. um everyone's starting to sort of come around to their philosophy, but also um Ferrari. They came out and said, or Benny came out and said that this car is pretty much 75% new. Um, It's more or less a B-spec model. Uh, It looks like it too. Biggest um, change that it looks like they've had is in their packaging. Um, When you look at the side pods, um, this will be figure four for side pods. They've cut out some of the the side pod to make it easier for the air to flow around. And also they'll create less drag. And you'll see where they've created some little fins. I think it's numbers three and four on the diagram it is. What that's done there is helped the air be able to go around the side pod. And that pays dividends when you look at the the Coke bottle of the Ferrari car. So that'll be figure five. And you can see the shape of the rear of the Ferrari car where the side pods extend.
1: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's called the Coke
0: bottle. Um, what happens with the air flowing through there is called a Coander effect. Uh, if you've been to Godfrey's or those uh, vacuum cleaner stores, and you'll see at the front they've got a vacuum cleaner on reverse, blowing air out, and they can balance a beach ball on top of it. And the beach ball just spins around in circles as if it's floating on air. That's called the coandă effect. And what that describes is the way air will form around um, an object when it's moving so if air is at a certain speed uh, across a surface if that surface bends the air will actually bend with that surface and stick to it and so what they're trying to do with that shape in those little um, condition of the air is to create the right angle so that when it comes around the coke bottle it'll follow it and go through all the rear aero parts at the end at the rear of the car which will give them downforce um, that's the aim for most of these cars, and trying to get that is uh, a lot harder in practice than it is in theory. Hmm. And especially when the only way they test these is through CFD modeling and wind tunnel. But trying to get that to correlate to on-track performance is hard because there's much more variables, obviously. And Ferrari have seemed to to do it pretty well. And
1: well, we did see quite a bit of uh, drivers missing their brake markers once a, a rear breeze came up. Yeah, just because yeah. it meant uh, it was like a, a blown diffuser, essentially. They were uh, reducing the aero drag, which meant that the braking distance would increased, and the, the drivers were caught out a couple of times, exactly. going a bit deep into the corners.
0: And um, basically, the the shell of these cars is uh, more or less a shrink-wrapped skin, and you want these to be as small as possible to create the least amount of drag. And so you'll see in... Um, what do Figure 5, I'm up to? Six. You'll see in figure six... It's the, the rear of the old Ferrari or the one they brought previously to this upgrade. Uh, you'll see the difference in the exhaust exit. You've got a lot more room there and the bottom part where it looks like more or less like a ball sack, I guess, <laughs> it is really low where the suspension is. Um, so you're trying to get air coming across the top there through the rear of the suspension parts to create an aerodynamic advantage. And the extra gap around the exhaust pipe uh, generally means that They've had trouble with cooling the radiators that are held within the skin, and so you need uh, more air coming in, which needs more air coming out, and it'll give you that effect. And that's their old model. Uh, and you'll see with this new upgrade with the areas to their side pods, they've made made it much much tighter. This be seven, yeah. Um, you can see they've made the exit around the exhaust a whole lot more tighter, but the two subsequent exits below it they've actually lifted it up a bit. and uh, what that's done is allowed more air to come through that, that center of the car and out towards the parts where they'll get the most aero advantage. So you'll see the, the two structures or the two suspension arms will provide aerodynamic downforce. And with the air coming through and out of the cooling panels, that'll give you that effect. Uh, what that also suggests is that they've probably got some tunnels um, what they'll do is they'll feed air into the middle of the chassis and out into those holes to get it directed where it'll have an aerodynamic benefit. Um, to, to show you better this better, we'll head to some updates that um, Mercedes have brought to this GP. And a lot of cars have done similar things as well. All right, so if you look at figure eight, this is the Mercedes just after the side pod. So you can see the Patronus logo, logo there. And if you look in the middle, you can see a little inlet that's uh, against the underside of their little Coke bottle there. Uh, What that is, that's a tunnel that'll actually go into their chassis and they direct air through it to the exit, which you saw um, when we were previously talking about Ferrari, and they'll make it go to an area where they've got aero parts in there that'll give them a little bit extra downforce. Um, To see how this works, have a look at figure nine, where someone's actually managed to sneakily get a picture of the underside or the floor of the Mercedes and you can see where these tunnels actually go and so you see the inset of that tunnel and just follow the arrows and that will show how that flows through the chassis and out the rear um, to where they want it to go and this is not new this has been around for a long time Red Bull famously did that with Adrian Newey in Sebastian Vettel era cars um, to great effect as well. It's just a little way that uh, designers have found loopholes to get around restrictive aerodynamic rules.
1: The underside of the cars, um, in Formula 1, that's what sets them apart from pretty much every other series on the planet. Yeah. Um, Their ability to mould and sculpt how the air flows under the car is what made the difference in, I think it was the early 80s. Yeah. When they started with the... uh, Flat floor plan, uh, floor pans. Yep. Um, you really notice the difference if you watch any of that era. Uh, it, it famously culminated with the Brabham fan car where they actually put a... I uh, think it was a... Um, snowmobile motor yep. at the back to suck air out from under the car and it would just vacuum itself down to the ground and just squat right down. Um, the only car in, I think, any top-level... History to finish with a hundred percent win record. Yeah, but and, uh, that that uh, attention to detail from the underneath of the car uh, is something that has become the, one of the most important areas of F1, and it's one they jealously guard.
0: Yeah, that's why you'll see in pre-season testing whenever their car stops on track or has to get lifted anyway. Usually they'll have a cover which they put underneath the car, so then when it gets lifted yeah. up on the crane. No one can see how they're directing air or. It really gives away a lot of your aerodynamic philosophy if you can see the flaw of a competitor's car.
1: Yeah, I'm actually kind of surprised that uh, Adrian Newey doesn't have a self-destruct button uh, put in the car. <laughs> like he a makes. dead
0: man switch or something.
1: Yeah, as soon as the driver's out, it, it goes on fire or something. Because <laughs> actually, maybe that's what happened. Uh, we did see a few fires well, yeah. when cars stopped. Um, maybe Ricardo tripped his off a bit too early. It's but- his
0: inspector gadget button or something. <laughs> Um, The next little upgrades we saw are just some little canards that you'll see on uh, Mercedes and Ferrari. What these are are vortice creating um, aerodynamic pieces. So it creates the tornado effect, more or less.
1: They look like they create lift, if anything.
0: Yeah, it's mainly conditioning the air around the Coke bottle, so that it'll help create the coanda effect. So you see where they're they're, um, situated. It's just a follow-on of the air that's being conditioned by the front wing. Um, A lot of times they try and get that air to go between the nose and the front wheels so that they can condition that around the Coke bottle. And they'll also get some around the outside of the wheels so that it creates a sealing effect to the air for which the car is moving through so that you can make sure the air stays um, predictable. Um, And so all these little aero parts are all designed to be able to get that air where you need it at the rear of the car.
1: You know what the funniest part about that picture is? What is that? They're still sponsored by BlackBerry. Yeah. When was the last time we ever saw anyone with a BlackBerry? I don't know. It's, yeah. Uh, if you don't have a Nokia or an HTC or an Apple or a yeah. Samsung, you're probably weird. <laughs> and yeah, so that,
0: that was figure 10. Um, I'll put 10A as the Ferrari ones. They're little ones in a, a different area, but it's with the same philosophy in mind, looking to get the same things. And uh, There they are. They're little ones, and these are all just these little one percenters that make differences in Formula One
1: the little canar between NK, NGK spark plugs and Magneti Morelli.
0: Yeah, so there's really some switched-on photographers that go to each race and, and point these parts out. Um, this isn't any of my hard work taking these photos. I've just very, very diligently scoured the internet, and there's lots of very intelligent people online who can um, give this information. So we're trying to package it together so that you don't have to do all the hard work looking for it.
1: Yeah, and if you guys end up... Uh, going to any sporting events and taking some interesting photos, feel free to send them through to us. So we'll give credit to you. And uh, we'll blatantly exploit it for our own interest.
0: (laughs) Or just bring us along. We'll take our own photos. We'll annoy you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we're not great at taking photos. I can generally point the camera in a general direction, but I end up just losing it. end up just with camera full of boobs.
0: (laughs) 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 All right, that's the end of the technical updates for this week. We'll just give a rundown on what's coming up. We've got testing this week. So all these upgrades, we'll be able to see how effective they are and how they can really dial them into their chassis.
1: I'm honestly looking forward to how McLaren and how Red Bull go. Yeah. Just because McLaren have a power unit that they haven't got the most out of yet. It's been, the wicks turned down on it. Yeah. Um, They're not trying to push it to breaking point yet yep. but coming into the European season I reckon they're going to just wind that bastard up and just go hell for leather because yep. they've got nothing to lose I mean they're I don't think they've blown engines yet so they've still got plenty in reserve yeah. you may as well uh, run them out now because you can replace them as quick as you need I agree um, especially Honda being the new boy on the block they're not using a lot of tokens so they are going to have some in reserve And they do have like
0: a, well, more or less the three engines have got different philosophies on how they're built and how they're run. So each one can have an advantage and a disadvantage over the other, which once they've got them all reliable and, you know, you can take away those variables of engine failures, it would be really interesting to see which one has the most legs in regards to development. I think Honda might be up there. They're pretty left field with the, the way they've approached this and aggressive. And all these teething problems are sort of a indicator of, of how much they've really pushed the envelope with building
1: this engine. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm no engineer by any means, but uh, the split turbo that Mercedes have been running, yeah. where they've got the, um, um, the turbine at the rear and the impeller at the front. Yeah. Uh, the drive shaft is the weakness in that part. Uh, the same reason why yeah. if you've got a front-engined rear-wheel drive car, the drive shaft, you lose 20% of the power. Yeah. Uh, and I imagine and this is in no way an expert opinion, that uh, you have the same issue when you're uh, separating the impeller and the tr- the turbine. Yep. So if your turbine uh, gets more air in or spin faster, but you'll lose some of it, which means yeah. that the top end of the turbo's power yep. won't be as great. And
0: also that shaft is connected to the MGUK motor, mm. which uh, collects the energy that's caused from the turbine spinning and inputs that back into the engine for uh, direct power. So, uh, the difference between the Mercedes and the Ferrari engine is where they've actually situated the MG UK because they're both got a split turbo, but um, Ferraris, they've placed theirs, I think, before the compressor, whereas Mercedes are in between. I can't remember, anyway, but different philosophies, and it's just a matter of of which one's going to work better for which team and when they've both got them all up and running, how they all play out.
1: Plenty of blokes much, much uh, smarter than me have tweaked the shite out of those engines. So... Whatever you can think of, they've probably thought of it. Yeah. However, I think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with the actual turbines, especially if uh, the variable fin dynamic that Honda are using mm. starts to get some legs. <clears throat> yep. And I can't imagine why it wouldn't, because um, you're pretty much using a, a twin scroll mentality with that. Yep. Getting the low airflow to spin quickly and then the high airflow to be caught by everything. Yeah. Um I did see there was another one where they had variable angles on the blades. Yeah, yeah. So the same mentality. They had the same surface area but different uh, angles of catching. Yeah, and Um, it
0: gives you a lot more um, ability to have a better curve with the power or your response based on, you know, your mapping and speeds and pressure. mm. Give you some more options.
1: Another one I did see was they were talking about having uh, hinges on them. Not... uh, Little things that would allow you to manually change the angle of the plane. Ah, I
0: see what you mean. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I have no idea how that what, shit would work.
0: Yeah, I don't know what you call that. What would you call that?
1: Yeah. Uh, I I, thi- I. I know you can't have it on the outside of the car because it counts as moving aero. Yeah. Uh, movable aero, rather. But um, I don't know if they've managed to get it working. I know Honda was looking at it. Yeah. The hardest uh, part would
0: be strength, I would imagine. Having a flexible part in a piece that's rotating at you know, probably 100,000 revs per minute.
1: Well, I don't know if it would be a flexible part. It'd be like a, a, you'd have the central bearing joint. Yeah. And I imagine it'd work much like a, a CVT. The faster it spins, uh, a weight gets shifted, like backwards or something, and that in turn pulls the angle on the variable blades. Yep. Um, that That's as far as my understanding of it goes. But, <laughs> I was, uh, was going to blame computers. Yeah, <laughs> it would be... Some air comes in, some magic happens, the blades twist slightly. Um, But I I would have thought that the problem with that is that they accelerate and decelerate so fast, you could end up just breaking the fucking things off. That's it. And if
0: one falls off, how does that affect uh, your response as a whole?
1: Well, also, if one falls off, that goes straight into the air intake of the engine, which goes into the cylinder, which means you've just fucked
0: your engine. (laughs) You've made a foundry.
1: It'll scratch the shite out of it. It'll get spat out the back. And uh, you've probably shot the bloke behind you. Yeah, you'll be a cylinder down for sure. <laughs> with a $12 million <laughs> fin cannon. <laughs> but uh, I I do think it's going to make the, uh, things a bit more exciting. Uh, unfortunately, the top-end cars are having trouble overtaking. Yeah. but
0: A lot of that's more more aero than, than anything, although, I think, though.
1: Well, it's not going to improve in Monaco, because overtaking's Yeah. just about impossible. Yeah, right? exactly. Unless
0: you try and send one up in the chicane-like, uh, who was it, Checo, did yeah. to everyone last year and just crashed every time he did it?
1: And I've seen Kobayashi do it as well. Yeah. Um, he had mixed success. Uh, I would think we will see a few people try it around Bath this yeah. time. Yeah. Um, just with the added instant power of the KERS. Yep.
0: And especially if, if you get the little bit of wheel spin just from too much torque coming out of a corner, uh, it makes you vulnerable uh, anywhere. The only problem is room. Not much room around a street circuit.
1: No, I, I do think what you're going to see is a lot of people taking risks in the pit strategy. Yeah, I don't know what tyres they're going to take. I hope yep. it's uh, the hard and the super soft.
0: Yep. Here's what I, I, I expect that you will see. you see lots of boats. you see lots of boobs. Um, you'll hear lots about the old days and there will be somewhat of a race. Cars will go around in a circle. I'll give you that much. Uh, I don't know if they'll change positions too many too many times. It's probably one pit stopper.
1: The other thing is, uh, there will be a bone to pick because you remember last year, when Rosberg and Hamilton were going for pole, and Rosberg uh, decided on Hamilton's flying lap, he'd uh, just chill for a bit. Yeah, just stick it in the runoff area. Yeah, and bring out the yellow flags, which um, meant that uh, Hamilton had to back out of his lap. It's his race. Yeah, and I th- I don't think Hamilton's the sort of guy that'll forget that shit. No. In fact, I'm damn fucking certain he won't forget it. So if he is um, running in pole... Yep You can look at him to He won't go to his way to sabotage Rosberg But if Rosberg happens to be on a flying lap yep. And you know it's his last lap I can see him sticking on the apex for a little bit longer than he normally would
0: And I can see during the race if uh, Lewis gets pole and is in the lead Probably just sitting on Nico a bit because he's not going to overtake him at Monaco <laughs> and just push him up into Vettel or someone else just to make his life difficult.
1: Either that or he'll see what happened to Alonzo and he'll have like about 30 different visors <laughs> yeah. on his uh, helmet and he'll just keep tearing them off until <laughs> yeah. one of them gets caught somewhere.
0: Uh, it'll be like green turtle shells just shoot <laughs> around backwards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't tell Bernie that.
1: <laughs> he'll be if, to it. if he ever plays Mario Kart, F1's going to be fucking weird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not necessarily worse though. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. It's um, the invincibility star that'll fucking confuse the shit out of things.
0: Well, that'd be funny if, like, in Formula E or something, you could send out, you know, a, a pulse or a charge or something that fucks with their batteries. <laughs> <You> <laughs> a know. laser. Yeah, you know, just like a, some sort of pulse you could send that would fuck up your electronics.
1: That's what, Formula E should totally do that. Uh, the F1 game, FE game would be fantastic.
0: It should be up to the fans to be able to choose when to use it.
1: Damn! <laughs> <No>, Can't <laughs> fucking give the fans guns. Let them have laser guns. And as the cars are flying past, if you can hit them in certain areas, they'll lose power to that area. Well, that could be like just integration of fans
0: and multi-sports into one thing. You'd have a laser tag or Duck Hunt Formula One. Like, maybe you don't like Formula One, but you like Duck Hunt. When the cars go past, give them a whack. Who gets the biggest score?
1: Yeah. Have a little target on there. If you hit that, they get a boost or some shit. Yeah, I mean, they probably draw a NASCAR already with real guns. Yeah, if you could actually get an addiction seat built into it or something. Hit this spot. <laughs> Bruno Senna goes flying through the air, which is the fastest <laughs> he's gone in quite a while. I think uh, I was watching... Uh, Highlights of the Monaco F Formula E GP yep um, yeah I, I wish Bruno Senna was faster me too I, I tell you what he's a fucking excellent pundit though I think he has a, a big career in f- uh, formula racing commentary uh, oh he's been excellent Formula 1 Formula E or even uh, GP2 that sort of thing he's got brilliant insights yeah um, he's not he's not worthy of um, his uncle's name in Formula 1 he he is a fantastic driver by any other standard except uh, the elite level he, he's just not as fast as a lot of those other guys
0: and to be fair he, he has said that he was never trying to live up to Ayrton's reputation and going out of Formula 1 was kind of what he wanted to do because you he, he know he's never going to beat Ayrton's records or anything like that and he wanted to forge his own path in, in something else
1: and that's a, a pretty uh, common story as well you look at uh, Don Bradman's son yeah, he played cricket, but he changed his name to Bradson. Did he? Yeah, um, pretty much because he wasn't a very good batter. <laughs> he wanted to be a bowler. Uh, Pele's son wanted to be a goalkeeper, uh-huh. just because you know Pele said, "Do my make goalkeepers' lives hell for yes. years." What are you going to do? He's like, "Well, I'm never going to be like you, so I'll be a goalkeeper. At least I'm make my own mark." Um, same with Jordan's kids. You know, that, mind you, when your dad's worth a billion dollars, you probably don't have to do anything you don't want to do. This is true. Um, and I think it's been the same with a lot of players. Um, I don't know about NBA so much because they tend to have about 60 illegitimate kids. Yeah. so
0: <laughs> Most of them are illegitimate kids themselves.
1: <laughs> yeah. So who knows about that? But um, even golf, you don't get many multi-generational golfers pretty much because golfers play until they're 180. Oh, yeah. Um, but it, it's very common that trying to live up to a previous generation will fail. I think uh, in Bruno's case, he would be far better off pursuing media. Because he's brilliant and he's multilingual, yeah. um, he he can work whenever he wants to, Yeah, uh, whether he's commentating in Portuguese, in Spanish, in English, or he's just chilling and hanging out in pick lane. Mm-hmm. Uh, what his skills don't get, his last name will.
0: Plus, he's understanding his racing driver is there, um, especially hearing him through the practices of Formula One on the Sky coverage he talks about, I remember him talking about track evolution, and I can't remember which circuit it was, but it was a brand new circuit, and he goes, yeah, you'll notice that these bumps, they they appear over time, and it can be a, the, a race weekend with new tracks that haven't experienced the downforce in G-forces that Formula One The um, lateral dragging. does, Yeah. Mm. And so it will actually literally crimple the track, and you won't notice where these are. And so he actually points out that when you're driving along, all of a sudden you'll see this real shiny thing. And if you don't know what that is, you don't realize the bump. So you either got to uh, go around it or know it's there for for um, going over it. And so you show footage of just uh, this flash. And he goes, yep, that's a bump. And so unless you actually go out on the track walk and you see all these things, you don't realize where they are. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why you do sighting laps and that before you go out. You'll see how the tracks developed, what different things have, have happened. If there's been crashes in the lower series that put oil on the tracks. And he just explained it in a way that... You, you don't know these things unless you've been behind the wheel and raced a
1: car, which I
0: haven't. <laughs> no, I've never been a 41 driver. So these things I found invaluable.
1: Especially though with their angle of seating. It's not like in a, yeah. a regular sedan where you can, you've can you got quite a high angle of view uh, yeah. or even a, a four wheel drive. You can see a lot of the road around you. In those, your ass is just centimeters off the ground and you're laying right back. Yeah. So your head is probably only two feet from the road. Yeah. And you're viewing it at that angle. And it's probably um, only a
0: foot from your knees as well.
1: Yeah. So your sight line is very narrow. So by the time you can see something, in the time it takes you to process what it is, you're already on it. Yeah. So you have to drive from instinct. Yeah. So I, from that aspect alone, being able to lap a Formula 1 car without putting it into the wall is a, yeah. an enormous achievement. So I'm not selling Bruno Senna or other F1 drivers short in that they can survive a lap. They're doing fucking well. Yeah. I just think that Senna is not an elite driver. And unfortunately, you have to be an elite level driver to stay in F1. Yeah. Um, Because even guys that have won championships or have won races, uh, there's no guarantee you'll have next season. Yeah, Um, exactly. I think we're going to see Räikkönen under a lot of pressure come contract negotiations end of the year. Uh, His is up, I found out. Um, Mind you, even if it wasn't, it's been shown many, many times, including with Räikkönen, where uh, they just sure. put him out to pasture. Yeah. Um, and then you've got uh, a lot of young talent coming through, and they're going to be looking at um, filling new teams as well, and they're going to be after older drivers too. Yep. So there's going to be a very big shake-up in the driver market at the end of the year. Um, I would be surprised if any team had the same lineup as they have this year. Yep. With the... No, actually, every team could trade at least one driver, I think.
0: And I think it'll be uh, a real mix-up of um, people understanding that they're going to have to get talent in there at some point. They can't survive just by having drivers that bring in sponsorship and don't have on-track performance.
1: Yeah, I think Lotus is really paying the price for that now. Yeah. Um, With two drivers who are essentially paying for their ride. Yeah. It's great for the bottom line. Yeah. But what's even better for the bottom line is winning. Yeah. for the sake of a driver bringing in $10 million, which yeah. is no small amount of sponsorship. It's massive. Yep. But if you win the World Championship, it's what, 100 million? Probably. Who knows?
0: They never yeah. have to disclose that stuff.
1: The only, yeah. Actually, the only team that has to disclose it is Williams. And then on top of that, you've got the sponsorship. So if you're winning World Championships. Yep. Every elite brand wants to have some sort of association with. You see Lewis Hamilton's car, yep. and it's got even those tiny little logos that are all yeah. everywhere. They're probably about 20 grand per race. Yeah, exactly. And that's just the number to pull out of my ass. Could be tons more. Could probably more, I'd say. I'd, be, I'd say more. I'm pretty sure it's not 10 bucks. Yeah. Um, and then you look at the Maroosias, which are pretty much just blank. Um, mm-hmm. Even Williams, they don't have a lot of sponsorship, Yeah, which mm-hmm. is very unfortunate because I I think they're a massively underrated team especially with their ability to um, make road applications for all the technology they develop. Yeah. And so, we- I, I honestly, if Williams float on the Australian share market, I'm buying shares and that shit.
0: Well, the thing is, um, with Williams, um, they recently announced that they had a loss of $40 million, but it's not as bad as it looks. It's not bad at all, to be honest, actually. All it is is mainly accounting... Um, buggerizing around more or less.
1: Yes, yeah, so they pay those tax. They
0: they, yeah, they shift um, revenues and sponsorship dollars um, around. So that, yeah, so they're making a loss this year, but that doesn't include um, their prize money from last season and also doesn't include two new sponsors that they picked up this season. That's all going to be on to next year's results. So expect the next lot of results out of Williams um, to be pretty lucrative. And they've had some, some big steps forward.
1: In, yeah. um, they probably won't want to make it too lucrative, though, because then they pay shit tons of tax. So, a lot yeah. of that money, I imagine, they'll in- reinvest in the company. Yeah, well, they'll end up with their um, road development areas, their Williams technology. Uh, they'll cross invest in that.
0: Yeah, well, the thing with Williams is that they're actually floated on the German stock market. Um, so, with that, they have to produce their um, bookwork in a very timely fashion, mm. and also, Williams F one is the sole company of that that organisation. So, there is no parent company with other ones like Ferrari and that, that comes under whatever their parent companies are called now, Scuderia, fucking whatever. And so all the results of Formula 1 activity gets blended into the rest of their business activities, whereas F1 doesn't, uh, Williams doesn't. So anything they make, any um, all their books is completely open for people to be able to see. And they do have new sponsors on board, so you can expect them to be pretty pretty well amongst it next season, I reckon. But anyway, it's still a long season to go ahead of us. And, I think there's
1: a lot of excitement for Williams. Yeah. Um, just because of their approach to Formula One. yeah, they're, they're not approaching Formula One to try and sell drinks or to um, sell uh, SUVs to consumers.
0: Yep. And Claire, um, Claire's came out and said that um, she will never formally be taken over uh, Williams or Frank's alive. <laughs> she literally said, one day they're going to walk in, they're going to find him face down on his desk <laughs> and that's when <laughs> she's going to know that she's in charge. <laughs> she said he works and that's what he does. He loves working and he, he will die at his desk.
1: I would not be surprised just because he looks like he died 15 years ago. Yeah, Frank. Um, But, shit, if I owned an F1 team and I'm 104 years old or whatever, I'll probably hang around there. You've got that, or you can just have a colostomy bag and sit and stew in your own filth. I mean, which option will you have? Exactly right. I mean, he's still pretty fuel-efficient, but (laughs) he's getting around. But, uh, yeah, I think Frank Williams is one of the the last great characters that are running around F1 at the moment. Yeah. He's Um, a throwback to, like, Ken Tyrrell days and... um the other one's Bernie, but no one really likes Bernie, him because he's a yeah. Um <laughs> And then you've got Bre- uh, Flavio Briatore, who's Flavio Briatore, mm-hmm. who's uh, liked less and less since his involvement in the um, Renault match, or oh, race-fixing scandal. Yep. <laughs> and, and the fucks he gives are zero, <laughs> <laughs> completely. Consider he was uh, still Mark Webber's uh, rep. Yeah, yeah. Even, job too, even when he's gone to WEC.
0: I think it's Fernando's too as well
1: actually uh, Webber just won uh, one of the WCA races he too, did for Porsche did. Did his first one and I saw him um, in the paddock around Barcelona having a chat to a few people he was yep. um, he had a good old chat with um, uh, Pedro de la Rosa yep yeah I did see that actually and uh, apparently de la Rosa was saying oh I might be in trouble getting back in a in a seat next year <laughs> but uh, yeah so I think uh, coming to Monaco mm-hmm. I can't see anyone touching Mercedes again no um, I do expect that you're going to see a lot from Toro Rosso. Yeah. I think even to the point where they might challenge Williams.
0: Yep. Well, with their qualifying pace, it's it's a fair fair assessment. Um, I think well, our best hope is that it rains. That always produces an exciting Monaco when it's wet because it's, mm. it's insane, let's be honest, to drive <laughs> yeah. around that, that track in a wet, in a 800-horsepower car or whatever they're up to now, 900.
1: And the funny thing is anyone who's into open wheel racing or even some of the closed wheel you've at the very least uh, seen Monaco raced on the television and or you've played it on Playstation or Xbox or something to the point where you've probably got it memorised and and that's the thing if you look at the shape of Monaco track it all has to be is a line you know mm -hmm. exactly what that line means yeah if you show one corner you'll know it's from Monaco Uh, whether it's just the the way the track's formed or whether it's the background pictures and it, it it is the race yeah. that the driver's want to win. Famously, Kimi Raikkonen crashed out just after the tunnel. just uh, before the um, bath. He just crashed out, jumped over the fence, got in his yacht. Yeah, starting a, a of vodka. bottle of champers, couple of <laughs> chicks in uh, bikinis around him. You know, tough life. Um, had an early shower. Yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, he got a good seat to watch the rest of the race. It was a good race.
1: Yeah, and... Uh, they should have just nicknamed him Kimi Zero Fucks Raikkonen. Yeah. Because that's, that's the way he's always been.
0: And so we can expect Monaco to um, be uh, exciting race weekend. The actual race, if, it, if it's wet, we can expect some pretty interesting things. Uh, if not, midfield will be where it's at, probably in terms of crashing.
1: Oh, there will be a safety car. Oh, definitely. Um, There'll
0: be crashes in the midfield, guaranteed.
1: Yep. Yeah. Uh, I would be shocked if we went five laps without at least uh, the first safety car coming out. Yeah. Um, The big point will be Grosjean and Maldonado again. Yeah. Um, So look out for the bad guys in black. Yep. Because they will be coming to a wall near you.
0: No, you you can guarantee Pastor will throw one down the inside of the chicane.
1: It's going to happen. Yeah, or, you know, of the um, hairpin. He has done that before and spun it. Um, But, uh, yeah, so while the on-track stuff may not uh, be as back and forth as we're going to see some other races, the... Friction between the midfield and the upper guys, and Rosberg and Hamilton, mean that all weekend, yeah. every practice, every at every stage of qualifying, yeah, is going to be fantastic to watch. And it's, I mean, it's going to be you're just waiting for someone to just snap and really get up in uh, get up underneath someone else and just push them into the damn wall. Yeah, and there's it,
0: every chance that qualifying could be as exciting, more exciting than the race.
1: Oh, very much so, especially with uh, Monaco being what it is, and every hundredth of a second matters. Yep. Um, you are going to see drivers pushing it and pushing it and pushing it, and they might uh, you might see drivers trying to get into Q1, yep. and they do, but they crash out in Q2 on the way in. Mm. So, yeah, I think uh, it's going to be a brilliant race, and I'm really, really looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, and um, we will see a lot of aero updates for this testing that will be implemented for Monaco. So if you're really inter- interested in Formula 1, have a look at the testing and follow along online and see how these teams go. Just
1: quietly. I'm going to put a couple of bucks on Patel because yeah. I reckon I'll get value for that. And, uh the extra power that Mercedes have is not really going to be that effective.
0: Exactly. And there's going to be a lot of fighting between those two Mercedes. Yeah. So I wouldn't expect, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little bit of touching, a little bit of uh, damaging.
1: The only problem is that then I have to hope Vettel wins. It's that's, hard, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it is. It's
0: hard to actually, um, I was saying, oh, I think it might have been on Twitter or someone, I was saying that it seems like this race, Vettel had matured 10 years, off-season or something.
1: Yeah. And it's like, actually, you cheered for him. Like, how did that happen? Yeah, and even Weber's come around, he's like, Well, you know, we're not on the same team now, I'll get along with him okay. I, yeah. I, I was expecting him to, you know, punch him as his back was turned or something. Yeah. But um in terms of Vettel and Rosberg, yeah, I'd prefer Vettel. Yep. I'll, I'll I'll be honest, I just can't stand Rosberg. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. So Monaco came up in a fortnight, uh, on the twenty first, I yeah. believe.
0: Yeah, follow follow us along, we'll absolutely make sure you don't miss this one.
1: No, if if you only see one race this year make sure it's Monaco Uh, it is on at 10 o'clock on Sunday night uh, Sunday fortnight from this weekend but uh, it it guarantees to be an event Um, if nothing else you are going to be able to see Maldonado try and put uh, four feet wide of car into a three foot gap Yep, possibly uh, into the ocean yeah, it, it could happen. It's uh, not happened yet, seen, but you know, if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be pasta. We have seen cars take off. Yeah. Um, Button went down that escape way with Bath, but yeah. uh, Maldonado could go the other line and launch through into the ocean, which uh, you know will be entertaining. Yeah. Or he might end up um, doing the Starsky and Hutch onto a boat.
0: Probably still faster
1: McLaren, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not all the boats from the harbour. Unfortunately, mm. a couple of them are starting from pit lane. Yep. But, uh, yeah, it looks to be a good race, and uh, hopefully everyone will be able to catch it. Yep.
0: All right. We'll see you there, guys. Catch you, guys. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week.